0: Alright, hello everybody. Welcome to Horror Movie Yearbook. I'm Tim. I'm Willie. Willie, we're going to talk about the dead zone here today. We are. Yes, have you ever been in a dead zone, like a, like a cell phone? I have. <laughs> yes, I have. A, a lot of yeah. places where I grew up had, were dead zones when it came to cell phone oh, yeah. service. Oh yes. yeah, I guess that makes Yeah, okay. Yeah,
1: <laughs> um, yeah my, uh, when I used to spend time up at my um, grandparents in the UP, it was so hard to get a re- reception up there like bad you might be able to wander out to the road like and get like hold your phone up maybe yeah it was bad it was hard yeah um and i didn't i didn't care about when i was up there i enjoyed just spending time like i didn't care about goofing around on my phone right it was just like sometimes you want to be able to like text somebody or call like (laughs) you know what i mean yeah that was a bummer and then the summer camp i was a counselor at yeah dead zone we weren't supposed to have our phones out in front of the kids anyway. Yes. But like at night when I was like laying in the cabin like and all these kids had fallen asleep, I'm like I want to surf the internet for a little bit. Like just on my phone, just yeah. goof around cuz I wasn't ready for bed. These little kids are all snoring. And I'd like roll over and like hold my phone like next between the wall and, and the bed yeah. and like but like it, it would it would be spotty. So it's a struggle.
0: Yeah, it's gotta be tough. It's gotta be tough. You're not not able to get porn on the phone. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah.
1: God. right? Yeah, at summer camp. Um,
0: <laughs> oh, I wasn't talking about you. I was just talking about anybody in general who. Uh, I mean yeah, These I, are the things you take for granted as a.
1: I know what happens to people that think that, that think uh, bad, bad thoughts at summer camps.
0: Oh yeah. Doesn't yeah, end well. It does not end. I've well.
1: I've seen enough movies to know.
0: But the dead zone is not about summer camps summer or car- Pornhub. With cell. <laughs> I have not read Cell or seen Cell, the Stephen King movie. Is that about Pornhub and?
1: No, it's God. about cell phones.
0: <laughs> and John Cusack, right? Yeah, he's King's. there. <laughs> anyway. Isn't
1: Samuel Jackson in that one too? I believe so. My word, I've
0: not seen. I've not read the book. I have not heard good things about either.
1: No, no, it's Stephen King doing zombies.
0: That's right. Mm. Cell phones, zombies, very topical.
1: I don't think that's a great marriage, Stephen King and zombies. No, no. Doesn't feel right to me. No. That's his buddy Romero's turf. Yeah. He needs to back off. Maybe he's just trying to pay tribute to the master. I don't know. Hey, so
0: I was um, surprised the other day when I checked the old podcast feed. Mm. Because you know what I saw? What did you see? Two maniacs, it looks like, have gotten back together again and are recording Westworld FM. And not because of the show, which I'm sure is delightful. I don't know. I've not seen it. But these two, good for them. Way to stick to it. I mean, I'm impressed. I think it was, I think it was the founder and Nick. I think it was Alex I'm Rick.
1: impressed because these two guys just had babies. Yeah. Like, both of that's them. That's right, yeah. All um, right. But, hey. That's bless I, those boys. Bless those boys, exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I know they love it. I know they love their Westworld. So, check them out. Westworld FM. Yep. If you love Westworld These are the guys for you. Yeah.
1: I think James Marsden's on the show still, which is nice. Is he?
0: I saw... um, I like James Marsden. Justin Thompson's on there. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. All the stars. All the stars. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And the Game Nerds uh, also just put out an episode, too. So check out the Midwest Game Nerds and Westworld FM. Welcome back. Welcome welcome, back, boys. Welcome back. All right. Let's get in this time machine. You ready?
1: Let's do it. What's a good Dead Zone sound? Oh, boy. I'm going to do my... Martin Sheen. Ah! When he's holding a baby.
0: This is, this is yeah. ah! Sheen not in this very much, but man, no. does he make an impression. He delivers. Willie, did he? Uh, did he remind you of anybody? No. <laughs> so many articles now make sure to point out that maybe he reminded some people of a certain president no he's more of a i mean honestly he's more of a southern preacher type in this he's kind of like a yep. jimmy swagger Is yep. kind of who
1: it's we, a little bit more yeah the, it, it's a different presentation but i can see why people perhaps would draw comparisons to yeah. to the
0: donald to yeah. donald trump yeah
1: no I, I mean look there are similarities certainly in terms of um quite a, uh a bit of a salesman
0: yeah. Um, right? Yes. I think we could say that. Yes, a populist. Yes. As well. Absolutely yeah, very much yes. taking advantage of people's like maybe their fear to to, sure. to yes, to use it sure. for his own gain. So there are similarities there, yes. certainly. Yes. Yep. So there you go. Yep. So we we that oh, that's out of the way. Yeah, I think we had <laughs> to you have you like you, ha- you have to mention it now even though. Now you have to. It was written in like what 79 and made in 83. I know. I know. Yeah. Crazy. This, yes, was released in 1983. So we're in the time machine. This bad boy. Let's let's pull up the old. Let's pull up the IMDb deets here. Yeah, for sure. Lots of
1: King adaptations around this time for sure. Yes. Was this?
0: This was just after Cujo, which is weird because the book came out before Cujo. It led into Cujo, right? Because this was kind of the beginning of the Castle Rock stuff. Yes. Okay. It Um, is
1: interesting that that's the case. I assume perhaps. If I had to guess, people might not quite have known how, what to do with the Dead Zone. Kuja's a pretty straightforward...
0: Yes, and there's some, <clears throat> there some background on it, and we might get into it a little mm-hmm. bit as we go through, but this went through many screenwriters. It went from Jeffrey Boehm, who ended up being credited with like the final mm-hmm. version of it. Then it actually went to Stephen King for a little bit, yeah. and the draft that King turned in, um, Dino... Dino! Uh, Dino, <laughs> Dino said, no, no, no. I do not like this. This this doesn't make any sense. Even Cronenberg, I think I can't remember his exact wording for it, but he basically said it was it was a little bit too harsh. It was a little bit too mean in some ways. Okay. So I'm curious. Yeah, I've not read that script. I'm curious what Cronenberg found objectionable about it. <laughs> well, King was
1: King was uh, drinking quite a bit at this point in time, I believe.
0: That's a good point. Yeah.
1: And so if I mean, if you look at his output, um, from a writing standpoint, this is King during his meanest streak. Right. Um, so it doesn't shock me that that was said. Just kind of knowing where he was at this point in time. We hadn't gotten to Cocaine King yet.
0: No, that would come in a couple of years. Yeah. Right?
1: That yeah. would be the replacement for for,
0: for uh, the preferable.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, Cocaine King is the best. Um Sober <laughs> well, King actually, no no, Sober tra- King is the best. Yeah. Sober anybody's the best. Sober anybody is the best. But so. no, in terms of like just sheer like I'm not trying to make light of drug use, but in in terms of sheer like creative output, I think the most interesting period of King's writing career tends to sync up with his, his
0: cocaine. No, but I'm glad <laughs> I'm just... glad you even I'm glad you brought that up though. Like sober King to me, like I like a lot of sober King's later work yeah. because of the fact that as you mentioned creatively, stuff like it feels like there are sections that are just rambling. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's kind yeah. of it, it, some of, sometimes it's wonderful and sometimes it's like oh my god let's Yeah yeah yeah. Steve let's come out come on buddy. <laughs> it's his
1: most it's his most interesting period I think in terms of what he was putting out there. I think his best writing has been the stuff he's done since like post accident post Dreamcatcher. Yes. Yeah. Post recovery. Right. Um from the accident. So, yeah. yeah.
0: I like a lot of that stuff. So Agreed. Yep. But we are well, this is our summer of Cronenberg. Let's uh, oh yeah, the IMDb so 1983 a man awakens from a coma to discover that he has a psychic ability. That's it. That's the description. Oh, my. So okay. Directed by David Cronenberg. Screenplay by Jeffrey Boehm. Now, Jeffrey Boehm. 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 Uh, so, he wrote The Lost Boys. He was credited as, as oh, a screenplay. My, what? Uh, yeah, for The Lost hmm. Boys. Um, he was also, he wrote Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, The Phantom, Inner Space, and um, I'm blanking on a couple ones, but yeah, he was, he was pretty... I think I kind of oh, like... he's credited with, credited with a, right, uh, a draft of Lethal Weapon, and then he also did the screenplays for Lethal Weapon 2 and 3, were the ones I couldn't remember. I think I like
1: most of those movies. Yeah.
0: Moments, yeah. He's hes solid.
1: I'm a Last Crusade fan as well.
0: Um, I yeah, I like all of the Indiana Jones movies. All of them.
1: Okay. <laughs> there he is.
0: But, I mean, there is one that is worse than the others. Do you like The
1: Adventures of Young Indiana Jones? <laughs>
0: Not really, but it's been so long. Like, the only times I've sat down to watch it, it's been, like, the first episode Okay. I watched. I like the fact that they exist, and I thought it was a cool way to try to get kids hooked on um, history. Yeah. And... Yeah. There you go. Treasure hunting. I like those kind of movies. I like, like the National Treasure movies too. I yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I, like I, I, I dig movies. stuff like that for sure. Brooke Adams also in this. She was a bit of a scream queen in the early 80s. She was in the 1978 Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm-hmm. She was also in Shockwaves. Oh, yeah. I haven't yep. seen that in a long time. And she would go on to star in another King movie, which was Sometimes They Come Back. In seen that. In the 90s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and a little uh, some fun trivia. She is married to the great Tony Shalhoub. Oh my! <laughs> yes. How wonderful! Uh, this also ta- stars Tom Skerritt. You have a favorite Tom Skerritt performance?
1: Fuck Tom Skerritt!
0: Oh, that's right. You hate Tom
1: Skerritt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't hate. Do
0: you want to re-explain that? I can. I guess. Um. <laughs> at
1: some point in time during one of the, pa- the 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 stretches when my parents had cable, um. I stayed up late and watched the film Poison Ivy. Poison
0: Ivy. I was going to mention that starring it Drew Barrymore. Yeah, it's a great movie.
1: Um, and did you see the
0: Poison Ivy, the new seduction.
1: Is that the one with Jamie? Is
0: that Gertz. Presley. No. Oh, Jamie Presley. Yes, not Gertz. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes.
1: I've seen that too. Um, <laughs> so I had a I had a crush on Drew Barrymore. I think a lot of folks probably did. And uh, there's reasons why somebody with a crush on Drew Barrymore would want to watch Poison Ivy. Well. Part of the plot line of that is that she becomes um, kind of uh, involved with Tom Scarrett And I remember just, like, I couldn't, my prepubescent brain couldn't fathom how Drew Barrymore could, like, old Tom Scarrett And I, I, so I had, like, I hated him. I had like a grudge. I was like, "This guy, this yeah. chump," but I know I quite like Scarritt as an actor. I, I I just I I like to joke about fuck Tom Skerritt. Um
0: Well, you you better be careful. He's born here. he's born. He went to Wayne State University. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Yeah. No, I like Tom Skerritt. He He's um, also
0: in the U.S. Air Force too. So. Oh, cool. Yeah.
1: Thank you for your service. Um, Tom is. We'll talk about it, but vastly underutilized in this movie. Um, because he's really yeah. He's a great actor. Um...
0: That's kind of the thing about this movie, too, is, that like, some, some characters kind of float in and out. It is a weird narrative. Yes. It's a weird... It, there are things I like about it, and we'll get into it, but... It's cool, but
1: it, the the structure of this plot is bizarro. Yes. And it does make for kind of a weird viewing experience, because...
0: From what I recall, it has been a while since I read the book, but it's a tough book to adapt to, because it is episodic by nature.
1: It's a weird episodic mm-hmm. thing, so... Um, I can see why they later they did the TV series i never watched it but yeah um, but i can see why they thought that might
0: it's a good hook for a tv series and i think nowadays it would have gone straight to a tv adaptation yeah yeah because i think it would have focused mainly on the first half of this movie yes like if this movie were made today it would just be the investigation into the castle rock killer there would be nothing after that
1: yeah i I think that you'd ditch the rest of it yeah yeah.
0: yeah. And if it were a TV show, like that would be the, the running, last season. The running plot line in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The grand. Yeah,
1: yeah, I gotcha. Um, anyway, so no, Tom Scared's cool. Like Tom Scared. <laughs>
0: Sorry, Tom. <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure he's listening. He's yeah. A, he's a he's a Detroiter. Um, so the last person I want to mention here is Michael Kamen does the score. Ah, Michael Kamen. Yes, yes. So I love so the score of this, movie. usual collaborator, with Howard Shore, but yes. Yeah,
1: love Howard Shore, too. But uh, I, uh, this score is probably my favorite part of the movie beyond Walken's performance. Um, the the score rules. Like I, I really like the really names good. and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I wound up kind of scrolling through Michael Kamen's IMDb because I'm like, God, I know, I know, you know, I knew he did X Men. Um. So, X-Men, I remember
0: the commentary... Just real quick, I remember the commentary for X-Men. I've always liked the X-First X-Men score, but it kind of fades in and out at times. Sure. I've always kind of liked the main theme, and uh, Brian Singer on the commentary trashed it. I remember it being like one of the first times I heard like a filmmaker trash someone else's work, <laughs> and I think it's because he didn't have Otman, too, which is John Ottman who ended up doing the second one, but yeah.
1: Well, and so, I, funny enough, if you came and reuses a bunch of stuff from Mr. Holland's opus uh, in X-Men... Maybe that's why. And idea. I don't think that that was like asked for, right? I think that was him just going, eh. <laughs> they um, won't notice.
0: He did, yeah. He did some, um, yeah. He did some good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Too. Yeah, I, yeah. He did Event Horizon. Mm-hmm. He did the Lethal Weapon, Lethal Weapon Four. I think he did. But what's he did Die Hard, he which was, is a
1: fantastic score. But he
0: was also um, the composer on SM with Metallica, the Metallica orchestral. Ah, album. yes. So I like Michael Kamen. <laughs> That's that's a cool album. It is. I like that album a lot. Yep. Um, The Memory Remains. That version on that album. Yeah. Rocks. (laughs) Yeah, it does.
1: That's a great album. That might be the only Metallica album. I bought a couple, but that was one of the only ones I ever bought on CD. Okay. Um, I remember thinking like, this is the coolest idea ever. And I I think a lot of people trash trash it though, don't they?
0: So that came around the time too when Metallica. Metallica, That was like post Reload, and that was when When people were like, "Oh, they suck." They were very mainstream at the time, and it's also. I understand where people are coming from when they think it's kind of playing with an orchestra for a metal band is kind of, uh, I don't know what the word they would use for it. The word that came to mind that they would use for it and not what I would use for it is soft. Okay. In some ways, I don't agree with that. I think it's I think it's one of the more metal things you can do. It is is is. To play with a giant orchestra, especially a, <laughs> a band like Metallica, who by that point had conquered, like, they had conquered music. A metal band was, like, hitting number one on mainstream charts. Like I know. Big, bigger, like, what a, what a baller-ass move to play with an orchestra in your hometown of San Francisco. So sweet. <laughs> yes.
1: I almost wonder if, like, if... I wonder if it was ahead of, like, its time almost a little bit. Like, Yeah. If it would be more appreciated now, if they'd released it now, then... I, I
0: want to say it came around the time of that backlash to their... Napster,
1: yeah, and the new metal was kind of taking over the metal yeah. scene too. So I anyway, think, yeah. I think
0: all of those things kind of led to that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, do you want to give your thoughts General. before we jump into the plot here of the Dead Zone?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, um, you know, the Dead Zone is not a, not in my like top King stories by any means um, of all time. Nor is this in my top King adaptations of all time. <clears throat> I think that it's. It's a s it's an okay movie, and I, I hate to be that guy who's just like, eh, it's okay, but it it there's nothing about the movie that for me stands out as particularly memorable or um either as a king adaptation or as a Cronenberg film. Um when I watch this, I don't go, wow, this feels like a Cronenberg film to me. There's nothing about it that really makes me um if I didn't know, I don't know that I would know. You know what I mean? I just doesn't. I don't see his stamp on it. Um, and I do think that the nature of the story... I think the Dead Zone, the way it's constructed, both in the book and the film, I think it really... It really was always going to work better as a book. I think you would have to... I think you would have to streamline and focus the plot on one of essentially the two halves of the dead zone story post um, post coma so you've got kind of that prologue everything leading up to him in the accident, and then he wakes up from the coma and you basically got two stories after that and they're very. Divide. I mean, there's a little bit of, like, peppering things in for the second half of that with um, with the Martin Sheen stuff. There's a little bit of that peppered into that first half of the story, but they feel very separate. I mean, to the point where, like, there's characters that are very present and active in the first half that, like, all but disappear in, in the back half. They feel like two completely... Like, one feels like a sequel to the other one in a weird way. It feels like the follow-up, but they're all part of the same, same story. So, I think... I would have liked this movie better if we had focused on one of those two things. Um, as it is, it feels like two half-movies, almost. And that's not the fault of... It's not the fault of Cronenberg. Of it's not the fault of King, even, because that it, I, to me, that works in a, as a book. Um, but I do think it's the fault of not... Tr- of trying to be too beholden to the text as it was. I feel like I would have preferred them to focus on one aspect or the other. And I think that I would have enjoyed that movie more. Um, But uh, I do think it's got some solid performances. I do think Walken's quite good. I I like er watching some early Walken before he became like Christopher Walken, Yeah, who we think of as almost like not a punchline now, but like he's like Christopher Walken. Like he is like, He's like Jeff Goldblum, right? Where, like, he's become a character unto himself at this point. Um, and uh, so that's always fun to watch him. I think Martin Sheen's a, uh, something else, man. He's he's a blast to watch in this. Sheen can go. When when Sheen wants to go, he can go, man. I always Sheen's one of those guys, where, like, I feel like he's... Considering the longevity of his career and, like, the insane stuff he's been involved with quality-wise... Like if you like, film like from a film perspective, like Apocalypse Now, that's like a like a classic, right? Um, from a TV perspective, The West Wing is like regarded as one of the great like network TV shows of all time. Like this guy's done worked with everybody and done everything there is to do. He's still somehow like
0: kind of underrated, right? Isn't that weird? Yes, he was just in that movie. That movie I just watched. He wasn't just in it, but he was. Um, it was on Joe Bob. It was on The Last Drive In. A month ah. or two ago, the little girl who lives down the lane. Yeah. And he plays kind of like a creepy, like, yeah. kind of pedophile, and he is so good, yeah. <laughs> as that character. Yeah.
1: It's crazy, and I, I just watched him in uh, Badlands, which is an early, um, um, guy. Why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Tree of Life. Oh, Malik. <laughs> it's an early Malik film, and uh, he's like phenomenal in that movie too. Like he's so good, and he, but somehow he's like underrated. It's weird. Anyway, he's great, um, and the score's great, and there's a certain, there is a a a feeling throughout the movie. There's a dourness and a sadness and a melancholy that really does feel prevalent throughout the movie. That I think is, um, by and large, Cronenberg's doing. It doesn't feel particularly Cronenberg to me in terms of the tone, but like he is able to keep this kind of constant feeling of like sadness throughout this movie mm. um and then kind of acceptance of 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 the misery of life <laughs> like <laughs> a kind of like like for this character so um yeah i mean uh it's it's by no means a bad movie um i do think that it is a weaker entry in both cronenbergs filmography as well as i think um a weaker entry in studio king adaptations like movies okay yeah it's certainly above some of the tv stuff but but yeah so i think it's worth a watch i just i don't i for me personally i don't feel any sort of major need to ever rewatch it again yeah so yeah
0: what about you, Tim? I watched this movie. I think last year I watched. I just threw it on. Um, I maybe even watched it prior to that when we did our King of Kings. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Our King of Kings bracket. I, I needed a refresher on it, and I. It. I think you kind of touched on it too. It's two great tastes that taste like kind of fine together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's. It's good. I like it. So yeah, I just wish. Yeah, I like that it tries to capture the whole book. I just wish the Stilson stuff was introduced a little bit earlier on mm-hmm. like it is in the book when he's kicking dogs. Kicking dogs. Kicking kicking dogs. So
1: Being of a line.
0: <laughs> very, very much of a line. So do you want to get into this plot real quick? Let's do
1: it. Let's dig in. Yeah. It's a weird one
0: to talk about. <laughs> it is. Um, so I've got the uh, trusty Wikipedia plot description as always. Excellent. Here, and we'll just, we're just going to stop after every paragraph and kind of fill in the blanks. Sounds good. So after having... After having a headache following a ride on a roller coaster in Castle Rock, New Hampshire, schoolteacher Johnny Smith politely what a name politely declines when his girlfriend Sarah asks if he wants to spend the night with her. As he drives home through stormy weather, he has a car accident that leaves him in a coma. Um oh that leaves him in a coma. Awakening under the care of neurologist Dr. Sam Weezak, uh he finds that five years have passed and Sarah is now a married mother. Okay. So the changes from the book start here because of the yep. movie. It's a roller coaster. And in the book, I think it's like a Wheel of Fortune game or something.
1: Yeah, the the movie, you know, the, the movie approach is certainly a more cinematic. You know what I mean? Yep. I mean, it makes sense. It's a change that makes sense for, for film. So. Ha-
0: have you ever been on a roller coaster that has rattled your brain so much that you thought you had maybe precognitive abilities?
1: <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think I've been on like a county fair ride, that probably rattled my brain enough to make me think that. Which but like one? a legit roller coaster, they're pretty smooth.
0: Yeah, the wooden ones are tough. Uh, the Mean Streak at Cedar Point—that is rough. Used to be rough. That's the Steel Vengeance is what they replaced it with, and that one is that one's all about. That one's nice and smooth because they put a metal track in now. I don't think I got to
1: do that one. Did you not jump on that one? No, that was the first one you guys went on, I think. Okay, when we went and. Um, I think I felt like crap that morning, probably from drinking before um and so I was going I was like I don't know if I can handle the roller coasters right now and then I jumped I started jumping on them like halfway through the day when I had some lunch and I recovered a bit yeah luckily I had Danny with me <laughs> <laughs> my pal Danny
0: is it ever explained in the movie why, why they are the only two people on the roller coaster like did he s- does he know the person in- that runs it nope no, okay. we never
1: get any of that. I guess it's just an off day. <laughs> it's a slow day. <laughs> slow day at the old coasters. Oh, uh,
0: what it is is old Dino did not want to pay any extras. Yeah, that's one hundred percent. Dino. Yeah, so.
1: he didn't want to. He didn't want to pay any extras
0: um, up front. This is a one more thing before we move on here. This is produced by Deborah Hill. Yes, from Halloween. The late great, the late great Deborah Hill. She, I'll refer to the Fangoria interview. There are three. Uh, separate interviews, separate ah. kind of features throughout the issues of Fangoria in 1983, but one of them is an interview with her. There's another one that's kind of an interview with Cronenberg as well, but she talks about how Cronenberg wasn't actually the first choice. They they kind of wanted to um, get Walter Hill to direct this. I and, could see that. Yeah, he was doing 48 hours at the time. He's already committed. Okay. So Yeah, so I think Walter Hill would have been a good choice. I mean... Some similarities to yeah. how they tell their stories.
1: I think Romero was attached to this at one point, too. I
0: believe that's correct. Yeah. Oh, I watched a little bit of The Dark Half today because I was. Ah, yeah. <laughs> There's a movie that doesn't need to be two hours long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen that in a while either.
0: I, yeah, I didn't finish it, but.
1: Might have to revisit.
0: I'll try to finish it uh, by next week, maybe. There you go. Johnny discovers that he can now learn aspects of a person's life through physical contact. As he touches a nurse's hand, he sees her daughter trapped in a fire. He also sees Weezak's Wiesme- mother long thought to have died during world war II. He sees that she's still alive and that a pushy reporter's sister killed herself. Johnny's mother has a heart attack and dies after Johnny visits her in the hospital. What do you think of the set flashback sequences in this movie?
1: All this stuff works for me. Um, I mean this is kind of the classic setup to any anytime you're telling a story about somebody with some sort of like psychic or precognitive abilities is you have to have them have one or two moments of like proving to the world that they can do what they can do. And so these these two instances work. I think that the the sequence with the girl in the in the house um is intense and I think Walken sells it really well. Um and then I, I actually really like the I, I I almost get a little bummed that it doesn't go anywhere beyond what we get as like as a subplot like the the doctor and his mother stuff because it kind of just ends there like there's not really anything i I think I feel like if you if you gave more time to this portion of the book in the film version you could have maybe done something with that plot line just as like a subplot or whatever, but as it stands, this stuff works for me. I mean I like the setup of what Johnny can do and the fact that he's he figures out pretty quick what it is he's experiencing. He's not sitting there spending most of the story like trying to investigate what this means. He figured he's like he's like i I can see the future basically. Like I, I have precog and he figures out very quickly if I touch somebody that's when it happens. So I love that, and I love the fact that even if not all of the other characters of the townspeople accept that he's like the real deal, I love that um once again we don't spend a, a large chunk of our story goofing around with the uh he's a phony and all that stuff. It doesn't there's not a lot of that in this. Right. Yeah, it's touched upon, but it's not Yeah, it's not overly prevalent.
0: Those feel the other thing too is his mother is a bit more religious in the book as Mm. well. I think that's played Mm -hmm. up, and that's a very King thing to do. Yes, is to play up the religious aspect. I don't necessarily think Cronenberg's as interested in that stuff. Um, There is a picture of Jesus in the background. At one point, there's a picture of Jesus in the background. There's also an old sporting news magazine, which is why I can't uh, have my phone on me during watching movies because I spent 10 minutes. I had to pause the movie because I was looking at old sporting news. Sporting news was an old (laughs) sports magazine that covered, uh, my dad used to get it all the time, and it was mainly focused on baseball. and They would have just pages and pages of stats and standings, and it was Sweet. like it was like a sports nerd's paper. That's amazing. And I was just looking through old uh, archives trying to find. a That's amazing. Because there was a sporting news in the background of one shot, and I went, "I gotta pause this. I need to pay attention." Isn't that funny? Yes, yeah, I'm so bad. Yeah, uh, it happens. I, uh, but. Um, yeah, we talked a little bit about the difference in the book. The other thing too is Cronenberg, this is where I think where his kind of his touches come in a little bit. He makes the whole movie like literally cold. Like it takes mm-hmm. place very much in Cronenberg can be a little bit cold and clinical. Mm-hmm. And this movie is literally that by taking place a lot of the time in winter. And a lot of the scenes take place in winter, and I think that's a nice touch. There are also a couple of nice shots of them kind of in the in the like the caves of Castle Rock mm-hmm. and, during the investigations and stuff that I think are from far away and make everybody feel kind of isolated and alone and stuff. I
1: think that's all those, it's all those touches that add to what I was saying earlier that, that there is kind of a through, there's very much a a consistent feeling of, like I said, sadness and melancholy. And there's something about the winter that gives you the blues eventually, right? I think yes. that people talk about the winter blues all the time where like, you know, once you're like, post Christmas and the excitement of the holidays is wrapped up, or post holidays, I should say, and the excitement of that's wrapped up and um now you're just kind of tired of being shut up in your house and cold all the time, yes. um like it hits all of us yep. at some point, and that 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 you you kind of get that vibe all throughout the movie for sure.
0: As news of his gifts spreads, Sheriff George Bannerman asks Johnny for help with a series of murders, but he wishes to be left alone. Sarah visits her infant son, and Johnny and she have sex. That they do, though I love how sexy the Wikipedia. Uh, descriptively, they are. They uh. have sex, <laughs> though she declines a further relationship. <laughs> Having a change of heart about the murders, Johnny agrees to help Bannerman. And through a vision at the crime scene, he discovers Banner- Bannerman's deputy Frank Dodd is the killer. Before they can arrest him, Dodd commits suicide in a very elaborate, suicide. in the most insane <laughs> way
1: possible. I mean, I know this guy's a crazy person, right? And he's murdering people, but like,
0: he sets up. He's in a bathtub, correct? Yeah. And he sets up a pair of scissors underneath. Which is his method, which is his, his, you know,
1: I guess tool of choice when it comes to his killings. Right. But like, yeah, what does he do? He sets it on the toilet?
0: Yeah, and he kind of like brings his head down onto the Slams his head.
1: It's so weird.
0: Uh, Dodd's mother shoots Johnny before being killed by Bannerman. Okay. Yeah, I think the sex scene is different in the book too. Mm. Yeah, in the movie they just I mean they just kind of have sex.
1: Yeah, the kid falls asleep and they're like you want to? <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> and she's moving she moved out of like it's not it's not really touched on after that. No, uh, no. Not really. So so the sex scene is plays a little bit differently in the book. Um mostly interested in sex with uh television sets as yeah. we've established. Yep, yeah, Or
1: with your own chest. Um <laughs> <laughs> Um yeah, I mean, like, look, like, like, it's funny because at first I'm like, ew, this is icky because, like, she's married and her kid's sleeping in, like, the next room and here right. she is. But then I'm like, Sh- I mean, she, like, loved this guy. Yeah. I mean, I, who am I to say that that's not a natural thing for her to want to, like, and she doesn't, like, by she never once, like, gives him the inclination that it's going to be anything more than just, like, them being able to, like, let that out. Yes, that that you know, and I
0: I recall correctly, and it's been a while. I believe the book is a little bit more dramatic, in it's retelling, and a little bit more, maybe even soap opera ish, melodramatic is the Who, word King? for. <laughs> Just a bit. It Just also a... probably has plenty of descriptions of boners
1: oh, engorged things, <laughs> <laughs> things that are
0: engorged, uh, and st- uh, Stephen what's uh, Stephen King boners the. Uh, can't remember. It wasn't. It's not Reddit. It's the other one that I, I'm blanking at right now. Um, th- I can't remember what the website. He likes called. to describe boners. I think you can um, just type in Stephen King boners. Do it on Google and, uh, and thank me later. Yeah, okay. <laughs> see what you get.
1: Turn safe search off and see what <laughs> happens. Uh,
0: this is Bohm talking about books and the difference between books and movies. Books are descriptive and expository. A screenplay has to be dramatic, and in transitioning a book to the screen, you have to think of ways to dramatize these things. King gives us a big clinical history of Dodd and how he suffered at his mother's hands. I think that in the movie, that's adequately handled when Johnny goes to Dodd's house and we see what his mother is like. And we see his bedroom, which is furnished like a child's room. So with a rocking hearse, a big raggedy Ann. this explains perfectly what Dodd's problem is. You needn't to go any more into it than that. So that's kind of some of the visual stuff they are able to do that Mm -hmm. I think gets across... What King does in the book through pages and pages of exposition, and that's part of the difference between a movie and a book, and you don't want that in a movie, yeah, and
1: i I mean I, you know it works for me. I can't sit here and tell you I thought overly hard about Frank Dodd's relationship with his mother at any point during this movie. I just thought okay dodd's the serial killer, and he's a bad guy, you know what I mean like there was yeah. never um but i you know if i had if I had maybe noticed more of that that background stuff, yeah, I mean you can't sit there and this, this story is not about Frank Dodd. Once again, if this was something where they decided they wanted to focus more on this portion of the story, sure, yeah, you could flesh that out a bit. You might be able to dig a little bit into Frank Dodd's backstory, so on and so right. forth, but we don't need any of that. And you do get the vibe that his mother's not exactly a, um, a well-adjusted person <laughs> herself. So
0: This is also the introduction of Castle Rock, which plays a big role in mm. King's career major so, yeah yeah i just wanted to touch on that ever watch the second season of castle Rock. i've not it gets stupid and nuts and <laughs> i kind of loved how stupid it was but it made no sense and it was always still it was always still kind of boring
1: yeah i remember you telling me like you know if you got nothing better to watch at the moment it's not worth it. it's not a bad idea to maybe just give it a look but i remember you also saying like there's other things to watch. It's
0: very, it's like, it's best appreciated. There are so many things to watch, I wouldn't put Castle Rock at the top of the list. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, the wackiness of the whole thing was appreciated. Yeah, they,
1: nah, we won't talk about Castle Rock. It's been a story. while,
0: yeah. Because uh, I couldn't even recall. Annie Wilkes shows up, if I recall. Oh, uh, my word. <laughs> hey, it's better than The Stand. Uh, disillusioned and barely able to I haven't to seen The Stand. <laughs> oh, boy.
1: <laughs> it's bad, right?
0: Oh, boy. I, there are moments. How did that
1: happen? I don't know. Like, I feel like this should have worked. The cast is great. Um, the I mean, it just made sense, right? Like, they it, it's they, just, they were willing to make changes to make it more palatable as like a story. They make
0: some other changes, though. I just don't think. I don't think sometimes with King, I don't think it works if it's not on the page or if you don't go all in. And there are some compromises made. Okay. Understand. So.
1: Um, I've seen the YouTube clips of. <laughs> Of the trash can man. Oh, yes. And it's something.
0: (laughs) Let's move on.
1: Yeah, we don't want to talk about that person.
0: (laughs) Disillusioned and barely able to walk, Johnny moves away and attempts to live a more isolated life. He tutors children working from home until a wealthy man named Roger Stewart implores him to come visit and tutor his son, Chris. They form a friendship, but Johnny soon receives a vision of Chris and two other boys drowning in a local pond during an ice hockey game that Stewart was going to coach. He implores Stewart to change his hit plans, but he refuses. Do you know how hard it is for me not to make a hey Chris Walt- Christopher Walken finally save someone from drowning joke? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs>
1: I, forget. I always forget about that.
0: But I did it anyway.
1: My word. <laughs> but
0: hopefully this, this uh, podcast didn't record. Some people don't hear that. He smashes a vase with his cane to make his point, and it's fired. Despite his father's skepticism, Chris believes Johnny and stays home. However, the other two boys drown greatly shocking Stuart. Johnny realizes he has a dead zone in his visions where the future is changeable. So the hockey scene is also changed here. The hockey scene revolves around Johnny in the book uh okay as a kid this one they they make it so he saves someone that's about yeah to go it becomes part live. of his yeah yes
1: which is fine that's a fine change um
0: i think dead zones are presented differently in the book yes and, and
1: it's explained a little better in the book i think or at least it's broken down a little bit more right it never quite i never quite walk away from the movie going like i get what they mean by the dead zone like why they call it the dead zone I right. still don't understand the name. Yeah. Like, why is I call it that? anyway? Um, maybe that's just me, but I don't. I, I like all the stuff with Johnny getting back into teaching because I like the character trying to get back to some sense semblance of a normal life. Yes, I like that. What I will say though is this is this this section of the movie is kind of boring. <laughs> like, for sure. Being honest, like I like the character stuff, but like I get a little bit like, what are we doing?
0: It's weird to go from catching the excitement of catching there's like a, a serial killer to tutoring kids <laughs> there's like a climax to yes. to the to the
1: everything we've seen from him before the accident all the way to him catching Frank Dodd there's like it's like a natural story that kind of has a climax and, and a and a resolution and falling action and stuff and now all of a sudden we're tutoring right and so you kind of go we got a while, long way to go here in this movie what are we doing yes um
0: and we still haven't met Stilson,
1: now, no, no. Um, I think we see him briefly. Yeah, we do
0: see him briefly. This is where we're, this is around where we're introduced. Yes. About an hour in now.
1: Yeah, and so it's kind of weird because it it just it's I don't know. I, I it's funny enough. I have kind of the same issue with scanners a little bit where like that middle portion. Like I don't dislike anything that's happening, but I'm just kind of I'm sitting there like, what are we doing?
0: Cronenberg's making comic book movies at this point, right? I mean, this is essentially this is a comic book movie. He's got X Men powers, and yeah. Scanners is X Men. Scanners is an X Men. Yes, yeah. I mean, so Cronenberg is essentially making comic book movies at this point. That's what
1: I'm saying. I want. I think I mentioned this before on the Scanners episode, or no, on the on the video drum episode. I want to. I want the uh, the Cronenberg uh, Smash Bros. game.
0: That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Take all. Take him. Team up all of his weird, weirdly powered characters and put them on some sort of like fighting force the Cronenberg forest or something I don't know
0: uh real quick I do want to actually talk about Walken's performance here because yes. I, I think we've talked about King main characters before and they can be conduits they can be very a little bit dull mm-hmm. a little bit bland and Johnny Johnny Smith um that's his name right yep it's, this is John Smith uh which is quite the creative name yeah but I think real. that might be by design um But he is a bit bland as a character. He's like a kind of a boring teacher. But Walken is, like, I know he's not full on Walken, but he's still Walken, so everything he does is interesting. Yes. And kind of eccentric and weird. Yes. And his haircut as a teacher is phenomenal. It's
1: amazing. (laughs) It's incredible. And
0: then he goes into full Christopher Walken hair in the second half where it's like kind of... He's
1: got like Max (laughs) Shrek. Max (laughs) (laughs) Shrek. Yeah, no, I, no, because... See, that's the thing is like, King characters especially when they're adapted to screen tend to come off as vanilla. Yeah. They're just so like they're like the most bland just kind of and
0: he gets knocked for that sometimes. I sometimes think it works in the favor of the story he's telling. It depends on the story, and yes. I think in most
1: cases it does work. Yes. Um I think for the most part he's a the characters in the stories where they shouldn't be where the lead needs to be more than Vanilla. I think he generally writes those characters. I mean, like look at like The Dark Tower, which is a very different beast, certainly from most of his work. But like Roland is not bland. There's nothing bland about that character. So yeah. it's not that he doesn't know how to write a protagonist that's interesting and 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 different and exciting. Um, but like, I think because you've got an actor who is the caliber of Walken, and I'm not knocking other guys that have played King protagonist. I'm not knocking Dale Midkiff of Pet Cemetery Fane. Yeah. Fame. But um <laughs> but uh
0: <laughs> forgot his name.
1: <laughs> well yeah thank you. Um
0: I only remember uh Denise Crosby and what's what's my man's name? The little Miko Miko
1: Miko Hughes baby. Yeah. Um but I'm not knocking him or anybody else but like
0: do you remember the Pet Cemetery remake that just came out? Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. You're not knocking him but
1: <laughs> Yeah but like it does. You do need an actor, I think, like Walken to to add a layer of like interest to these kind of bland, uh, semi boring right. white men that yes. are doing things. You know, I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then, like sometimes it works in this favor, in just the sense that, yeah, all these crazy things is hap- are happening. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice to have someone to be as an anchor. But yeah, yeah. sometimes it, it's not bad to have someone like Walken who can bring a little something extra. Yeah. And he does. He's very good in this. Yes. Uh, Johnny attends a rally for Greg Stilson, a superficially charismatic third party candidate for the United States Senate, for whom Sarah and her husband volunteered Johnny, or her husband. Volunteer. Johnny shakes Stilson's hand, revealing Stilson as a ruthless demagogue who, as president, orders what appears to be a preemptive nuclear strike. Johnny seeks out Weizak's advice, asking, for instance, if he would have killed Adolf Hitler if he had the chance before, knowing beforehand the atrocity Hitler would commit. The atrocities Hitler would commit. Weizak replies that he would have had no choice but to kill him. Johnny leaves Sarah a letter Telling her that he is about to do what will cost him his life, but it is a worthwhile sacrifice. So we've discussed Stilson uh, and who he reminds us of. Yes. Stilson in the book, we've talked a little bit about. He is he is very much a mustache twirler. Would Big you, time. Would you I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Sure. There's a hot take. Would you kill Hitler as a baby?
1: Oh my god. It's one of the age old questions, right? Yes. Um I don't know.
0: <laughs> I mean, guess it's. To, I don't know because he would be, I'm going to put this out there right now. He would be much easier to kill as a baby than he would as a man, like as a grown man. So I would definitely take my shot. I think he was kind
1: of a dweeb, though. Like when he was, even when he was an adult, yeah, <laughs>
0: he wasn't. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, he was good at riling people up, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know, because the thing is, when you do that, like, is that like is it like a butterfly effect situation? Like, if you do that.
0: Does someone worse. someone even somehow even worse, right.
1: uh, which is hard to imagine? But like, what do you create? I don't know. Right. Got to think about that one. I don't know what the answer is for me.
0: Uh, no, I'm a, I'm Team Weezak here. You got get that bit. Ba- I wouldn't like. I wouldn't like brutally murder baby Hitler. I'd slip a little poison in the bottle. Or what if
1: you like? What if you didn't have to kill baby Hitler? What if you could take baby Hitler like a, like? out of his environment and like
0: you want to, so you're trying to so this is a kind of a nature versus nurture thing. You think you can kidnap baby Hitler and, and like raise him, him
1: to not be Hitler. Yeah.
0: I mean that's fair.
1: Like try to like make him not that.
0: I'm a little bit guy. more cold than Or maybe
1: at. he is destined to be that. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I guess it kind of comes down to what do you believe whether it's right. like it's Hitler's nature that he's just going to grow up to be Hitler no matter what. Like I think there's always a
1: little bit of both, right? Okay. G- not always but yeah. generally yeah cuz i think like i think like like somebody like him always has the potential to be that person right but i think certain events have to occur in order to get in that potential life. to come out okay does that make sense no that
0: makes sense like it's in his yeah it's ingrained in him there's definitely
1: a part of that of that person that was very dark and very had the potential to do horrible things. But does that mean that in a different circumstance or under different circumstances, he may not have, that may not have been activated in him. I don't know. Right. So that's a tough one. I don't know what my answer is. I think I guess if I could guarantee that doing that would not like if somehow I could guarantee that if, if there was no guarantee that it would like truly positively affect like that oh, I should say not po- it would possibly affect it in a lot of way, but like that it wouldn't like
0: cr- make create an even worse future timeline, somehow.
1: Yeah. Then then I would do it. I think I think I would do it. Okay. But I'd have to know that.
0: So your, your holdup your hold up isn't necessarily with killing a baby, it is
1: No, if it ha I mean like I mean I don't want to do that either, but like if I have to Right. I mean, if that's what it would take, I guess yeah, I'd be, I'd be I would do it. But you're yeah, but your I'd be really concerned more. about like what could happen because of that. What is the chain reaction there? S-
0: so it may be like a like you're screwing with like a like a okay, I see what that's you're a saying. scary you're thought with the timeline, and you can make it, it yeah, something worse. Yeah, that is a scary thought. You know, um but that's why we pose these questions.
1: Here, I know right? it's they're interesting questions to pose. a
0: movie or book? Yes. So, and I believe that is kind of what King grapples with in the book as well. Like that's a yeah. big up and as I'm I'm sure I'm sure King goes into great detail on that. Johnny loads a rifle and takes aim at Stilson at a rally with Sarah in the audience. His shot misses the target, but Stilson grabs Sarah's body and holds him as a human, Sarah's baby, excuse me, and holds him as a human shield. I, it is so ridiculous. I love this part so much. Shoot this kid.
1: <laughs> like He's like, it's so funny. <laughs>
0: Johnny refuses to risk hitting. the He boy. grabs the
1: worst possible human shield, by the way. Yeah, the small, tiny baby. Yeah, you
0: can you can aim around that baby. I'm just gonna say, especially if you've got a yeah, like a rifle, like he does. Yeah,
1: why didn't he like grab a grown person? It's yeah, if, so Johnny's any,
0: if Johnny's any sort of a shot with a rifle, he can so He can maneuver around this small child. Johnny refuses to risk hitting the boy. A photographer snaps a picture of Stilson holding the baby. Sarah retrieves her baby, but before Johnny attempts to fire again. He is shot by Stilson's bodyguard. Confronted by Stilson, Johnny grabs his hand and foresees Stilson's reputation and political ambitions tarnished. After the photograph of his cowardly act is published, Stilson will commit suicide. Johnny lies dying. Satisfied that a nuclear holocaust has been averted, Sarah embraces Johnny and tells him as he dies that she loves him. So, the ending here. Because this movie introduces Stilson so late in the game, I think either inadvertently or maybe on purpose it kind of calls into question, for me at least, because we don't know who Stilson is like we do in the book. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just a rotten, to the core, evil person where we kind of have to take Johnny's word and Johnny's visions...
1: As gospel. As
0: gospel. So there I do a-
1: find it harder to digest. I There's almost an element of, like, as crappy of a human being as Stilson is, you almost feel a little bad that now his fate is going to be, like... Right. I mean, like, now in the book, he's, like, so bad that you're like, yeah, get him, Johnny, but... Yeah.
0: I mean, the holding up of the baby thing is rough. It's
1: pretty bad. <laughs> it's
0: pretty brutal, but... I see what you say, and, like, and, yeah...
1: But, but do but, I want him to... I don't but know. But, like, we
0: have to take Johnny's word that these visions are what's going to happen and that he is going to essentially cause a nuclear holocaust. Not essentially. He is going to cause yeah. a nuclear holocaust. So we have to go along with it, and it kind of asks that question, like, are political assassinations ever okay? Right. And this movie seems to say... Yes, absolutely. Yeah, sure, it's
1: fine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. They're like, yeah, sure, okay. No
0: questions asked. (laughs) um,
1: Yeah, they take a pretty hard stance on that one. They (laughs) do.
0: And hey, I mean, like we said, um, hey, that's the movie's prerogative. That's the filmmaker's prerogative. Go ahead and put it out there. Um, Sheen didn't actually want to take the role. He was worried about how despicable the character was, I think, in the book. And also, he was just kind of coming off of... Uh, he was really at a hold-up with the holding a child in front of him. So, mm. Like, when he got to it, he he talked about um, Apocalypse Now and how he had uh, gone to... I think he had gone to see the movie in San Francisco and the part where he kills a bunch of people Um, when he's approaching the encampment with Brando's encampment. Yeah. Like, the crowd, like, turned on him and started booing and, like, that affected him. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> Kind of a weird thing that, uh, for an actor. Like it is, right? <laughs> so, I mean, it, got, it essentially got the desired reaction from like so, interesting. I don't know. So it like it really hurt him. He just wanted to be loved. He just wanted to be loved <laughs> as his character. Um so yeah, I don't know. There were different screenplays. Um, I think it's the most mainstream of Cronenberg's early work so far, mm-hmm. I would say. I would say even more. I think Scanners kind of skirts there. I don't think Videodrobe is mainstream. No. Right In fact, I'm reading uh, these Fangorias as we go along, and the reaction to Videodrobe, it's hilarious, because it's almost like, I would compare it to almost like A24 or like elevated yeah, horror fans. I would
1: see that. At I the time,
0: where like a lot of kind of like the mainstream, kind of like blood and guts, horror fans, didn't like what is this trash what is this
1: artsy crap didn't seem to like
0: it and then like some guy writes it in this episode and let me read this okay i have to read this video drum because i think it ties into um what i'm talking about with how it's a little bit more mainstream and that may have been kind of a reaction to to some of the video drum uh reaction so yeah let me find this letter because it's very funny and it's a letter written into fangoria all right, the guy who liked Video Drum. Here's what he says at the end, because this cracks me up. He basically calls, basically he calls anybody who didn't like Video Drum like moron, like a moron. And okay. here's how he, here's the last paragraph. Jim Clark, and he includes his address. And I'm going to say, he says, please leave my address on this letter if you print it. I'd like to co- correspond with anyone, whether they be someone who agrees with my opinions or they or they be some morons wishing. To defend themselves. <laughs> oh, he says himself even, too. So he's disqualifying any female Oh my <laughs> this guy. Bro. This, Jim Clark, you, you went hard in this. Real hard. Yeah. This, <laughs> but it's It's kind of similar to to kind of what we see online today, which is like, one, there are different sections, there are different kinds of horror fans, and one section likes one thing, one section likes the other. Oh, for sure. And they will. For they, sure. they are always ready to throw down. Yep,
1: it's true. It's very true.
0: Um any final thoughts? No, uh, no.
1: I mean, you know, like life? I said, I, it's it, it's worth a watch. I just I don't um you know, I don't I don't think that I think you can find better uh instances of Cronenberg and King. So I think sure. so it shouldn't be first on your list in either for either on either list, but um that doesn't mean it's it's by any means a bad movie and I think that there's certainly things uh to enjoy about it. So
0: Cool. I, I agree. It's on uh HBO Max now. You can rent it. Check yep. it out. Check it out. Yep. I think it's um anyway, we're gonna do the fly next. Yeah. Uh, we're, gonna, we're working through our summer of Cronenberg here. We've got a couple more left, the fly and dead ringers, but the fly's next, and uh, this is the one I've been looking forward to.
1: Oh of course. I love the fly. It's been a while. Um, haven't seen it in a bit. Always love to revisit it. Definitely excited to revisit it again. Um Yeah, can't wait. What a what a what a film. <laughs> And I, I don't think you and I have ever really talked about the Fly in any major detail. Um, no, together.
0: Think, uh, this is my favorite Cronenberg movie. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think it, it is. Stays
1: that way. I think it is for me too. What is this on? What is The Fly available an on?
0: Excellent, an excellent question.
1: Just so we can make sure everybody's aware of. Uh, I mean, it can be rented on Amazon. I can tell you that. Uh, yeah, it's. No. It looks like we got a rental here. Yeah, so this one's going to cost you a couple bucks, but yeah. it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, Oh, God, I scrolled down. And it just says, it's a, you know, like I Googled the cast. You got Goldblum first, and then sandwiched in between Goldblum and Gina Davis is David Cronenberg <laughs> as gynecologist. <Gymologist. laughs>
0: what a picture. You know what? Him and uh, Goldblum in these Google pictures look very much alike. They're wearing the same glasses.
1: My word. <laughs>
0: it's uh, wonderful. Fantastic.
1: Um, You ever seen The Fly 2? No, you know what? I have not. I haven't either. I have not. Wait to watch that for.
0: W- w- is that Stoles? Yeah. Okay.
1: It is like a sequel to Cronenberg's, like, like an actual, like he plays. Uh... Oh, Gina Davis is in it.
0: Is she? Wait. Oh, I kicked, I clicked on the fly. Whoops, whoops. 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 Yeah. No, she's not. So yeah, that's okay. Stoles right. Okay. The fly too.
1: Okay. There's another actress that's filling in for Gina Davis in the yeah. Okay. Yep.
0: Alright, so that's what we're gonna do next time. Uh horror movie yearbook at gmail dot at HM Yearbook, horror movie yearbook on Facebook, Instagram. Check us out on YouTube, horror movie yearbook, if that's your preferred. If you got YouTube premium, I just uh found out you can like you know how you sometimes listen to you have YouTube on the phone and you close it down, you close your phone down and you can't hear the audio anymore. Well, I'm shilling for YouTube Premium now, but it's a way you listen to our podcast too because if you get YouTube Premium, there's a free trial out there. You can click it off. You can click your phone screen off and still listen mm-hmm. to the audio. So if that is your preferred method, if you have YouTube Premium, check us out on YouTube. I upload the episodes there as well. So we upload the episodes, I'll say. So very cool. Excellent. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Stay safe out there.